The pleasure, listen, the pleasure of finally entering into the kingdom of God will make everything else absolutely seem dull. The pleasures of heaven will make sex seem boring. Believe it or not, it's true, fellas. Um, thank you for that laugh. There you go. Gosh, that was a good one. I agree. I agree. Gosh. Um, the place, this will be the place where you will hear music and see colors that will give you a high that no drug could give you. There's, you guys, you're dreaming about what life could be like here, and there's a greater world that you're meant to dream for, and that place is called the kingdom of God. So whether you're a Christian, whether you're a skeptic, either way, if you are really truly hearing the claims of Christianity, then you've got to walk away at least saying, at least if you're being honest, this is the greatest news the world could ever hear if it's true. So we're in our series called Dawn. Dawn is about the first appearance of God. It's God coming into the world. It's his dawning. And today we're learning about the dawning of the kingdom of God. And more specifically, we're looking at what it means to be born into the kingdom. We're looking at this great rebirth, this awakening, this whole new life that we were made for. So the question for us today is how can someone be reborn into the kingdom? How can someone be reborn? So that's what our verses are today. We're going to be in John. We're in John 2, and we're going to be John 2, 23 through 315. Text will be on the screen so you can read along with me. So here we go. Now when he was in Jerusalem, this is Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. But when they saw the signs that he was when they saw the signs that he was doing, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one could do these signs unless you do, un, to do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ever ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him 
may have eternal life. Here we see the necessity to be reborn. We see the wrong way to be reborn, and we see the only way to be reborn. The necessity, the wrong way, and the only way to be reborn. And I want you to know that today, the things that are said today will either delight you or they will probably offend you. And I don't know why that is with Christianity. I don't know why some people hear the good news and they say, wow, this is the greatest news that I could ever hear. And others say, it's just not really for me. But what I want to do is encourage you to keep an open mind and search for why what is said today is called the greatest hope for the Christian. So we look at Jesus. Jesus is this guy who defines compassion. He's, he's merciful to those who are in need, and he's absolutely loving. Yet right here he says, here's what he says, I saw and I knew what was in man. I knew what was in their hearts, and so I didn't trust any of them. What is going on here? Why is he saying this? Here's why. Because he knows that deep down, we want the kingdom without the king. So let me show you what I mean. So we see miracles here. And, and by the way, miracles are not, miracles aren't, they aren't coming up against, they don't contradict nature. They're contradictions of what we know about nature. So when God's kingdom begins to come and begins to inhabit the earthly kingdom, we see something mysterious happen. We see something new, and it's signs of the kingdom we long for where everything is made right. And he's saying, Jesus is saying, I see you following me for my miracles. I see you following me because the miracles are signs of the kingdom. But I know what's in you. You want the kingdom, but you don't want me, the king. Here's why he doesn't trust humanity. Because long ago, humanity fell out of the kingdom, and here's what happened. It wasn't because we wanted out. It wasn't because we didn't love the kingdom. The problem was that's all we loved was the kingdom. We wanted God out. We had this God who kept telling us what to do, who kept telling us how to live. And so we said, okay, let's get rid of him. And so we wanted him gone. And he said, okay, I'll give you what you want. And so we were left with a kingdom without the king. And that means we lost the kingdom. That's what happened. So now... Here's, what we're, here's where we're at. We're left trying to build a kingdom that echoes the kingdom that we long for, only we keep falling short. We can't do it. It's not working. And what we have to understand is that each and every single one of us, we're trying to build this kingdom, but we want to be the ones who are the king. Every single one of us are doing that. We want it to be like God's kingdom, but without God. So in the movie, Lord of the Rings, there's this great ring of power. And this great ring of power gives people this power to be like a king. But this ring is the cause of all evil in the world. And so mankind, man, is standing holding this ring of power. And they're looking down at this pit of fire that if they throw this ring into, all evil is destroyed. And he looks down. This man looks down 
where evil will be destroyed, and then he looks at the ring. And he grasps the ring all the more because he has this lust for power. He has this lust. The ring is representing a crown, and he wants it, and he wants to build his own kingdom in it and through it. And so this ends up leading to his own death, and it leads to the downfall of humanity. Jesus is saying, I was there when mankind let evil win. I was there when the world went to hell. I saw it. I saw the lust of the crown of every single person. You know, this isn't a great strategy to try to build up a church. You know, Jesus is coming on the scene and and he's going to create this movement and he's doing it by just insulting people. Like, what is it with this guy? He keeps doing this. He keeps being loving, but then all of a sudden he says, yeah, but I know what's inside of you. We're all trying to build the kingdom without the king. The question is, how's it going? What kind of life is it giving you? And is it the life that you're really longing for? Is it filling the deepest desires of your heart? See, people who are trying to build their own kingdom... We're trying to build something that we don't have the ability to build. We're trying to build something that echoes the kingdom of God, but it isn't working. So when you try to build something that you don't have the ability to build, you get tired. You get depressed. You get frustrated. You get unhappy. You get exhausted. I used to work construction, and when we just laid the foundation of a house... It was absolutely exhausting. So you can imagine trying to build a whole kingdom, what that's going to be like. So here's some traits of us who are trying to build our own kingdom. People who are trying to build their own kingdom are absolute control freaks. Because anything that comes up against the kingdom, your kingdom that you're building, you've got to control it. And you see people getting in the way. You see people ruining your kingdom. So you become a control freak or or we just become obsessed with approval. We become these, become these approval junkies where we're like, look at the kingdom that I'm building. Don't you just love me, the king? Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm building here. Or power. People who are building their kingdom love power. And they can't stand the idea of someone being more powerful than them. And so they isolate themselves. They make themselves alone. Or they belittle people around them so that they can keep the power. And, and listen, most of all in our area, we have this desperate want for comfort. And here's the thing about comfort. If you're building your kingdom around comfort and you have people in your life, here's the thing about people. People require sacrifice. Love requires sacrifice. Here's what happens when your kingdom is all about comfort and you have people in your life. When you love someone, it means you're taking the crown off and you're making them number one. And that messes up your kingdom. And so you walk away from friendships. You walk away from relationships because they're threatening your kingdom, your comfort, and your crown. And typically, here's what we do. We'll build our kingdom. And when it's going well, we're like, 
Look at what I'm building. Isn't this great? But here's what happens. When things go wrong, we start pointing the finger and we're like, I don't understand God. How could God be a good God and allow suffering to happen in this world? We blame ourselves when things go well, but when things are going bad, we blame God. But eventually, we start to realize it's not working. We start trying to build our own kingdom, and it's not working. And so here's what we do. We have a God moment. And we say, all right, it's time for me to turn my life around. It's time for me to do some things different. It's time for me to stop building my own kingdom and go to God's kingdom. But notice what happens still. We're trying to get around the king, but get into the kingdom. We gave up building our own kingdom. Now we want God's kingdom, but we're still trying to avoid the king. We're still trying to go around him. Step one, build your own kingdom. That's not working. Okay, fine. Step two is this. Earn your way into God's kingdom. Work to get in. Work harder. So we look at this guy, Nicodemus. See, by the way, here's the thing about Christianity. Christianity is about a king who is a rescuer. So if you want to avoid the king, you just simply find a way to not need to be rescued, but still get into God's kingdom. So look at Nicodemus. Here's what he's doing. Here's what Nicodemus is doing. He's a good dude. He's a top religious leader. He's probably better than any of us in this room. And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, you're just like everyone else. You desire the kingdom without me, the king. You have a heart problem, Nicodemus. Listen, if you want to avoid Jesus, you run from him and build your own kingdom or you try to earn your way into his kingdom without needing him, the king. Both ways are avoiding the king, but trying to get a kingdom. So Flannery O'Connor, she's a great writer, and she writes about one of her characters in, in a book she wrote, and she says, he knew that the best way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. Are you seeing what's going on here? This is very, very common in churches. A bunch of people who know Jesus, who, who don't know Jesus, but they're just trying to earn their way into the kingdom. You want to know why the church is irrelevant today? Because we've removed the king from the church, and we're just chasing after the kingdom through our good works. And here's how this sounds. Yes, of course I'm a Christian. God knows that I'm trying really hard to be good. Why wouldn't he let me in his kingdom? Look at all the things that I'm doing for him. But do you love him? I mean, do you really love him? Charles Spurgeon, he tells a story that, that shows us this really, really well. So here, here's a story. He says, here's a story he tells. Once upon a time, there was a king who ruled over everything in a land, one day there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot, and he took it to his king, and he said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I wanted to present it to you as a token of my love and my respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as he turned to go, the king said, Wait, 
you're clearly a good steward of the earth. I want to give you a plot of land to you freely as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman at the king's court who overheard this. And he said, whoa, if that is what you get for a carrot, what if you give the king something better? So the next day, the nobleman came before the king and was leading this handsome black stallion. He bowed low and he said, my lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will, will breed. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, thank you, and took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed, so the king said, let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Are you trying to buy your way into the kingdom through good works, through earning your way in? Listen, the kingdom of God is too grand to earn your way into it. If you have found a kingdom that you can earn your way into, I can guarantee you that this is not the kingdom of God, but it is something that absolutely cowers in comparison to his kingdom. The only way in is through faith, not through your goodness. His kingdom, listen, his kingdom's unattainable. It has to be given. It can't be earned. It has to be a gift. A baby doesn't earn being born. They're just simply born. It's the same thing with us. We don't earn the kingdom of God. We're just simply born into it. Here's, here's the thing about it. It's so easy. It's available to all. Yet it's the hardest thing for us. Because, listen, it goes against everything we're taught. We have to be willing to receive a gift that we did not deserve. And that is one of the hardest things for us to do because it's seen as a noble thing to do. No, don't accept a thing that you don't deserve. You got to earn your way in. And God's saying, my kingdom is too grand. It's not something that you earn your way into. It has to be received as a gift. How many people are refusing the kingdom of God because they can't take that gift? And listen, the same pride, it's the sa it sounds noble, but listen, it's the same pride that causes us to hold on to that ring and not throw it in the fire. It's the same pride that causes us to hold on to our crown. The only one who deserves to be in the kingdom of God is the king who built the kingdom. The only one who deserves in is the one who's built it. We cannot build the kingdom. So the only way in is to accept something that we don't deserve as a gift. And you're taught not to do it. You're taught, come on, toughen up. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I'm telling you, we fall for it over and over and over again. All of us, every single day, we're falling for that lie. It's just, you got to open the gift. That's it. And be willing to take something you don't deserve. You can try to build a kingdom, 
But in the end, that kingdom's going to lead to suffering, death, and pain. Do you know why? Because it's not the kingdom that you're made for. You're made for a greater kingdom. You're made for a different world, a whole greater world. And it's a world without suffering, death, and pain because it's the world you were made for by the creator, the creator who's created it for specifically for you to enter into. You're made for that world. And if you try to build another world, it leads to suffering, it leads to death, it leads to pain, it leads to brokenness, it leads to despair, it leads to a joyless life, and it leads to this draining you of satisfaction and joy. So, we can't build a kingdom. We can't earn the kingdom. We have to be born into it. So the question is, how are we born into this great kingdom? There's only one way. The first thing you got to know One way, here's the first thing you got to know. You have to have this awakening inside of you that you are just like everybody else. You've got to have this very strong sense that you are trying to build your own kingdom without the king. Or you've got to have this strong sense that you can't earn your way into the kingdom. Otherwise, you don't need him. But, and, and by the way, every Christian has understood that to some degree. Second thing. You have to see what the king has done for you. And you've got to get a real sense of his grace. A real sense of what he was willing to do for you, who he is, and also what you've done to him. It says that the Son of Man, who is Jesus, must be lifted up. That right there, that's from Isaiah 52 and 53. And what that's saying is that there is a suffering servant who must be brought low and then lifted up. It's talking about Christ. And that's talking about the cross. It's talking about the resurrection. The suffering servant who has come to give his life. See, once you see what he's done for you, it changes everything for you. He's done something that is such a great display of love for you, costly love for you, that it makes you say, I want the king. I don't care about the kingdom anymore. I just want the king. I want to go be with the king. I, want to, I, I can't believe what he's done for me. I just want him now. And you come to him and you're like, I'm sorry for everything I've done. I'm sorry that I wanted the kingdom and I didn't want you. I'm sorry for this. And you say, please forgive me. Everything changes when you get the sense of what he's done for you. And it's then that you are born into being a citizen of heaven. Not because you earned it, but because you're born into it. You throw the ring of power down. You give him the crown because it's his. You stop trying to steal it from him. And, And the craziest thing is that after all we have done to him, Here's what he says. Here's my kingdom. Let's share it. 
And it's, it's better than that, too. He gives us a name, and he calls us his queen. We become the bride of Christ. All right, I want to end. I, I just I want us to get up close and personal with the king and who he is, what he has done for you, what he's done to you, and what we've done to him. So we so desired the kingdom without the king that when he came into the world to rescue us, we crucified him and we hung him on a cross. We saw the king. There's a parable about this. We saw the king and we said, here's our chance. Let's kill him so we can take the king's estate. Let's crucify him so we can have his crown, so we can take the son of God's inheritance. But the king, here's what the king did. This is about Christ, by the way. Here's what he did. He used that. He used the evil within us to rescue us. See, he saw what was in our hearts and he knew that we would kill him. So here's what he did. He used it to fix us. Not only do we have a heart problem, but we have a legal problem. We try to take the throne. That's treason. That's tyranny. So here's what he does. For the punishment that is coming to us, he takes it on himself. You know, we stole the crown from him, and he comes, and he steals the punishment that's coming for us right out of our hands, and he takes it on himself on the cross. The cross is meant for us, and he stands in our place. On the cross, he was banished from the kingdom so that you might be brought in. He was thrown into the fires of hell to be punished in your place so that you might be brought in. Our sins of treason, the wrath for stealing the crown, he took it. Again, you tried to steal his crown and he stole the punishment right out of your hands that was for you. When you have a king like that, you'll follow him wherever he goes. You'll give your life over to him because you've seen that he's given his life over for you. And that makes you say, I'm taking my hands off my life and I'm giving it to you because I've seen what you have now done for me and I believe it's true. So listen, go tell the king that you are his. Tell him your life is his. Because he said to you, his life is yours. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are a God who hasn't left us on our own. God, we are in a world of suffering, and we don't understand it. But in a way, we do. Because you've made some promises that when your kingdom is fully here, it will all be gone. So give us clarity of understanding your plan. Give us clarity of understanding that you are a good king and we can trust you even in the midst of our suffering.
even in the midst of our pain. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.